Section 23 of Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bo Wood. Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies, an Authentic Record of Remarkable Cases, by John B. Lewis and Charles C. Bombaugh. Mysterious Disappearances, Part 13, The Hillman Concealment. The Cases of Sally E. Hillman Against the Mutual Life Insurance Company, the New York Life, and the Connecticut Mutual Life repeatedly before the courts for a period of 13 years have attained a degree of notoriety that could only attach to one of the most desperate legal struggles in the history of jurisprudence. The contention on the part of the companies has cost them more than their liability in the event of satisfactorily proved death and their stubborn resistance has been due to their belief that Hillman has been seen alive in various places at different times, that he is still eluding the detectives and covering his tracks, and that it is a duty they owe to honest policyholders, aside from subserving the ends of justice, to resist fraud at any cost. When the claim was made and resisted, the first trial took place in the United States Circuit Court at Leavenworth in June 1882. The jury failed to agree, and in 1885, the case was retried in the same court before Judge Brewer with a like result. A third trial was held in Topeka in February 1888 before Judge Shiras, and a verdict was rendered for the plaintiff. The jury gave a verdict against the Connecticut Mutual for $7,530, against the New York Life for $15,060, and against the Mutual Life of New York for $15,060. The defendants entered a motion for a new trial and Judge Shiras suspended judgment until the June term to allow of the preparation of a bill of exceptions. The grounds upon which the new trial was asked were as follows. First, misconduct of the plaintiff at the trial. Second, misconduct on the part of the jury. Third, because the verdict and judgment are contrary to the evidence. Fourth, because the verdict and judgment are contrary to law. Fifth, because of error of law occurring at the trial and duly accepted to by the defendants at the time. Sixth, newly discovered evidence material to the defendants which they could not by reasonable diligence have presented upon the trial of this action. Failing to secure a new trial, the companies carried the case 
to the United States Supreme Court upon questions of law. The decision of the Supreme Court at Washington reversed the judgment in favor of the plaintiff in the circuit court at Topeka, its action being based upon errors in the admission of testimony and in the charge to the jury. After this remand, the case came up for a fourth trial at Topeka and ended in another disagreement. On the first trial, the jury stood ten for plaintiff and two against. On the second, they stood six to six. On the last trial, seven for the plaintiff and five for the companies. John W. Hillman was born in Indiana in 1845. Therefore, at the time of his alleged death near Medicine Lodge, Kansas, in 1879, he was 34 years of age. In October 1878, he was married to Sally E. Quinn, the plaintiff in the suits against the companies. Four months afterwards, he started for Wichita in company with his partner, John H. Brown, both being drovers. Near sundown on March 17, 1879, while encamped in a desolate spot on Crooked Creek, a man was shot through the head and killed by Brown. He declared that it was accidental and had occurred while he was taking a rifle from the wagon. He called upon a farmer in the neighborhood named Briley to view the body and assist in burial. He asserted that the body was Hillman's, and as the head had been placed near the fire, the features were burned and charred beyond recognition. Afterward, when the body was exhumed and taken to Lawrence for identification, it was noted that the corpse had a full set of regular teeth, whereas Hillman's were irregular and one had been lost. Confronted with the dental evidence, Brown broke down and confessed that Hillman was alive, that a conspiracy had been formed in December 1878 between Hillman, Mrs. Hillman's cousin Levi Baldwin, and himself, to defraud the insurance companies. Baldwin was to furnish the money for the first-year premiums, and Brown and Hillman were to arrange for the latter's disappearance. Brown alleged that the man who was killed in order to provide a body to be palmed off as Hillman's was named Joe Berkeley. This eventually proved to be false, as it turned out that the dead man was Frederick Adolph Walters, a young German cigar maker of Fort Madison, Iowa, who had gone to Lawrence in 1878. His remains were identified by his parents and sister. Here then was a plain case of murder in which Brown and Hillman were principals and Mrs. Hillman and Baldwin accessories before the fact. In a subsequent confession made by John H. Brown, before a notary public of Platte County, Missouri. He blamed Hillman with the shooting. The notary's record is as follows. John H. Brown, of lawful age, 
being duly sworn according to law, deposes and says, My name is John H. Brown. My age, 30 years. I am acquainted with John W. Hillman, also Mrs. S. E. Hillman, and Levi Baldwin of Douglas County, Kansas. Have known John W. Hillman for about five years and have been with him a good deal for the last two years. I was with him last March at Wichita and on the trip from there to and around Medicine Lodge in Barber County, Kansas, where it is claimed that I killed him on the 17th day of March, 1879. Along about the 10th of December, 1878, John W. Hillman, Levi Baldwin, and myself talked about and entered into a conspiracy to defraud the New York Life Insurance Company and the Mutual Life Insurance Company out of some money to be obtained by means of effecting policies on the life of said John W. Hillman. Baldwin was to furnish the money to pay the premiums and to keep up the policies in case they had to be renewed. Our original arrangement was to get Hillman's life insured for $15,000, but it was afterwards changed to $25,000. Hillman and myself were to go off southwest from Wichita, Kansas, ostensibly to locate a stock ranch, but in fact, to in some way find a subject to pass off as the body of John W. Hillman for the purpose of obtaining the insurance money aforesaid. We had no definite plan of getting the subject, but to, in some manner, get one. The final termination of the matter was the last idea thought of. Our first trip out from Wichita was in the last days of December, while the snow was on. We expected to find a subject that would appear to be Hillman, frozen to death, and that could not be identified except by the clothes and papers found upon it, and so I could pass it off as Hillman. We went from Wichita to Medicine Lodge, then direct to Sun City, from there to Kinsley, from there to Great Bend on the Santa Fe Road, then to Earned, and to Wichita via Hutchinson. Hillman and myself were entirely alone on this trip. Iliff of Medicine Lodge saw Hillman on this trip. We put up at his stable. I then stayed at Wichita until the 4th of March. Hillman, in the meantime, went up to Lawrence to see his wife and to get some more money. He returned about the 1st of March, and on the 5th, we left on our second trip. We went due west to Cowskin Creek, and then west to Harper City, then to Medicine Lodge, on by Sun City, and beyond some miles. Then we turned northeast down Medicine River to a camp on Elm Creek, about 18 miles north of Medicine Lodge, where Hillman is claimed to have been killed. We got there about sundown and stayed in camp until the next evening. We overtook a stranger on this trip, the first day out from Wichita, 
about two or two and a half miles from town, whom Hillman invited to get in and ride. And he, Hillman, proposed to hire him to work for him on the ranch as proposed to be located. This man was with us during all this trip. Hillman proposed to me that this man would do for a subject to pass for him. I told him and contended with him that the man would not do to pass off for him, giving him various reasons why the man would not answer his description, and complained and objected because his proposition was to take the man's life. And I protested and said that was going beyond what we had agreed and was something I had never before thought of and was beyond my grit entirely. But Hillman seemed to get more deeply determined and more and more desperate in the matter. Pains were taken not to have more than two of us seen together in the wagon. Sometimes one and then the other would be kept back out of sight. On his trip up to Lawrence, Hillman was vaccinated. His arm was quite bad. Hillman kept at the man until he let him vaccinate him, which he did taking his pocket knife and using virus from his own arm for the purpose. He also traded clothes with him, Hillman first giving him a change of underclothing, then traded suits, the one he was killed in. The suit he was buried in was a suit Hillman traded with Baldwin for. This man appeared to be a stranger in the country, a sort of easy-go-along fellow, not suspicious or very attentive to anything. His arm became very sore, and he got quite stupid and dull. He said his name was either Berkeley or Burgess or something sounding like that. We always called him Joe. He said that he had been around Fort Scott a while and had also worked about Wellington and Arkansas City. I don't know where he was from or where his home or friends were. I did not see him at Wichita. That I know of. I had but very little to say to the man and less to do with him. He was taken in charge by Hillman and yielded willingly to his will. I dreaded what I thought was to be done and kept out of having any more to do with him than was possible. I frequently remonstrated with Hillman and tried to deter him from carrying out his intention of killing the man. The next evening, after we got to the camp last named, the man Joe was sitting by the fire. I was at the hind end of the wagon, either putting feed in the box for the horses or taking a sack of corn out when I heard a gun go off. I walked around and saw the man was shot and Hillman was pulling him away around to keep him out of the fire. Hillman changed a daybook from his own pocket to Joe's and said to me, everything was all right and in shape, just as he wanted it, and that I need not be afraid, but it would be all right. He told me to get on a pony and go down to a ranch about three-quarters of a mile and get someone to come up. He took Joe's valise and started north. This was about sundown 
we had no arrangements about communicating with each other. He first proposed to do so, but I told him I did not want to know where he was, that in case I should, I might find out some other way. I have never heard a word from him since that time. At Lawrence, Mrs. Hillman gave me to understand that she knew where Hillman was and that he was all right. The man over whom an inquest was held at camp, afterwards at Medicine Lodge, and at Lawrence, Kansas, was the man named Joe Burgess or Berkeley, killed by Hillman, as related above. And John W. Hillman, I believe, to be still alive, at least he left our camp and went north, as stated above. After killing Joe, Hillman said he would assume the name of William Marshall. Baldwin, his wife, and Mrs. Hillman know all about this. The last trial of this remarkable case, which took place in the United States Circuit Court at Topeka before Judge A.D. Thomas, occupied a period of nine or ten weeks in the early part of 1895. With regard to the question of identity, it was shown that while Hillman's height was 5 feet 9 inches, Walter's height was 5 11 and a half. There were material differences between the hair, the teeth, and the weight, and one had several distinctive scars. While eight witnesses declared that the body in dispute was Hillman's, 21 of the defendant's witnesses testified that it was not Hillman's, and 26 others, including Miss Alvina D. Caston, who was engaged to be married to Walters, insisted that the body was Walters. Charles Hay testified that he saw Hillman alive near Leadville in July 1879, and the following witnesses declared that he was alive after March 17, 1879, the date at which Hillman is claimed to have been shot. Richard Helm of Albuquerque, New Mexico, J.D. Benton of New Mexico, and W.E. Northrop of New Mexico, who saw Hillman alive in 1884 and 1885. The following witnesses who knew Hillman intimately in the 70s, having hunted on the plains with him, identified him when arrested and imprisoned in 1889 in Tombstone, Arizona. John H. Mathias, George S. Baker, Charles W. Hart. Mrs. Hillman, in 1882, admitted before five witnesses that her husband was alive. Mrs. George A. Nichols, Hillman's sister. George A. Nichols and W.W. W. Nichols, Hillman's two brothers-in-law. Mr. S.D. Nixon and Mrs. Maggie Nixon. All testify that Mrs. Hillman, at the first trial of the case at Leavenworth, went to the Continental Hotel, where the above-named parties were stopping, to find out what they intended to testify to in the case as to the appearance of her husband, and when told they would describe his defective teeth and the scar on the hand, exclaimed, 
If you, his sister, and you, his brothers-in-law, and you, his friends, mean to testify to that, then I will go and withdraw my suit and turn my husband over to the authorities. On the 15th of September, 1879, Mrs. Hillman went to the office of Mr. Wheat, one of the attorneys for the plaintiff who lived in Leavenworth, and demanded from him the policies, which he then held, stating that she wanted to back out from suing the companies. Mr. Wheat refused to give them up unless he was paid $10,000, claiming a lien to that extent. Mrs. Hillman, finding that she could not obtain the policies to hand back to the companies, executed four releases, the following being a copy of one and all being identical except the name of the company, number of the policy, and amount. Lawrence, Kansas, September 15, 1879. In consideration of one dollar to me in hand paid, the receipt whereof is hereby acknowledged. I hereby release, surrender, and acknowledge satisfaction in full of all claims against the Mutual Life Insurance Company of New York by reason of policy number 195132, issued by same company, dated December 10, 1878, and for the sum of $10,000 on the life of my husband, John W. Hillman, and hereby enter satisfaction in full and order the dismissal of any and all suits or proceedings commenced or that may hereafter be commenced by any person or persons in my behalf for the collection of the same. Signed, S.E. Hillman. Attest, W.J. Batchen. Attest, John H. Brown. These releases were signed without the payment of $1 or the promise of the payment of $1. They were signed upon one condition, namely, that the company should agree of themselves not to undertake the prosecution of John W. Hillman, Mrs. Hillman, Levi Baldwin, and John H. Brown, but with the understanding that if the state prosecuted them, the companies would not withhold the evidence which was then in their hands. The insurance companies claimed that a conspiracy was entered into by John W. Hillman, Levi Baldwin, and John H. Brown for the purpose of insuring Hillman's life, in pursuance thereof, securing the body of another man and palming it off upon the companies as that of Hillman, and then collecting the insurance money upon Hillman's life and dividing it among themselves. The companies also claimed that Mrs. Hillman became a co-conspirator with them at the time of the inquest and continued to be such from that time on, and that also others, on account of their pecuniary interest, became co-conspirators engaged in the endeavor to collect the insurance money on the life of Hillman, Hillman not having lost his life. In support of this charge of conspiracy, 
Dr. Phillips testified that Levi Baldwin asked him all about life insurance, the length of time after death before decomposition set in, and the appearance of a man after being buried, and also said, Doc, wouldn't it be a good plan to insure some fellow's life, have him disappear and go south, and get the body of some greaser and pass it off on the insurance companies for him? Mr. Blythe, an attorney of Tunganoxie, testified that Baldwin and Hillman came to him one day and asked all sorts of questions as to the manner of collecting insurance money in the event of death. Baldwin told him that he meant to insure Hillman's life, and he wanted to know how he should go about it. Mr. Blythe explained that as he was not a life insurance agent, it would be better to consult those who were engaged in the business. Mr. Selig, Mr. G.W.E. Griffith, and Major Wiseman testified that Baldwin and Hillman went unsolicited and made application for $50,000 insurance upon the life of Hillman, 25000 of which was issued. That Baldwin and Hillman repeatedly asked what form of statement had to be made out in order to collect the money in the event of Hillman's death. Mr. Carr testified that Baldwin told him in March 1879 that he and Hillman were mixed up in a scheme to get hold of a lot of money. As already remarked, the successive suits, the adjudicature of the highest court in the land, the efforts made in tracing the fugitive in Arizona and Mexico, and the employment of all the legal and detective machinery available must have cost the companies more than $25,000, the amount of the claim. They have never accepted the averment that the man killed near Medicine Lodge in March 1879 was John W. Hillman. They have always contended, and they are firm in the belief that it was another man who was killed and that the parties to a criminal conspiracy undertook to palm off the body as Hillman's while they facilitated Hillman's escape and concealment. It is now 17 years since Hillman disappeared and if he is still lingering among the living, he has well preserved his disguise. In the event of proof of his death, the companies have, of course, been ready to meet their obligations. But until such proof is complete and satisfactory, or until the courts in their final judgment make payment compulsory, they are justified in resistance. End of Section 23